Cheers. Cheers. You got to let them hear the clink. Are you <laughs> Boy, I ain't drunk. Boy, I ain't wake up. <laughs> I try to keep it together. I ain't wake up. Oh, my God. Yeah, I do. I don't sign. So she's, right. she's speaking in my real house. You know what I mean? Yeah. I That was definitely a no-go. I chose plant and soil sciences. So if I uproot a plant, it's not going to scream. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's pretty chill. I really, to be honest, I did not like track. <gasps> Like every child poisonous say that. Why they say that? Yes. Like why is that a thing? Like track persons be like, I don't really like love track. I don't want to say you in the best at triple jump, but you wasn't. No, I was. Uh, <laughs> why are you trying to go on yourself? Walk no, off. Walk no, off. No, because the thing is, no. Yes, 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 man. We got our special guest, Miss DeAndre in the building, man. So just let the people know, man, where you from? You from Nassau? Are you from the island, man? Where you from? No, I'm from Nassau. Bernard Born Road, Fox Hill. Born and raised, Fox Hill, girl. Fox Hill, or are you from Fox Hill, man? So give us, give us, are you, are you, are you brought up, like, what schools you going to? You going to any school in Fox Hill or what you, what you doing? Yeah, so I went to St. Anne's all my life, uh, first grade to 12. Well, technically, that's not all my life. Um, Seesaw, Christian Academy. Well, they come Seesaw, Christian Academy. Seesaw, hey. you know? Seesaw, I love. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, had my, I had my first little thing used to go to Seesaw Academy. But uh, <laughs> so, yes, it's not. Wait. Where's uh, Seesaw? What I was, was going to say, Mark, I think um, St. Anne's is the most, I think most of our guests on this show come from St. Anne's. I know. They must see put the water yeah, instead of the A lot of smart people come from there. I'd, I'd like to agree. Honest, I'd like to agree. And I feel that, man. So give us more sort of journey now. You're going to Sinan. So all your life, once you're 12. So that means you must have like a tight-knit um, friend group. But after grade 12, you know, that pressure is beyond. You know, the parents just be like, all right, what's the deal now? You're about to come out of school. So, so how was that? Like, what was, what was that like? Well, um, honestly, it wasn't like a whole lot of pressure, mostly because of like track. So it was kind of an easy transition, mostly because, I mean, you know, with track, the scouts kind of come to you and I guess you just choose whatever school it is on the list that you want to go to. And yeah, a couple of days you just show up and start going to class. So it really wasn't that much of a hard transition coming from like high school to college. But um, yeah, I went to an A&M university because I know I wanted to either major in like um, nursing or agriculture. So that's kind of like the transition between high school and college. But um, yeah, when I got there, I completely dropped all aspirations of wanting to be in the medical field. (laughs) All because... I saw a cow on campus, and I kid you not, because where we used to live as athletes in the apartments, we were situated like right next to the farm. Oh, so where, where did you where you went to school? Oh, sorry, Southern University and A and M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, see, so all right, all right, all right. I'm familiar with that area, man. Yeah. Roscoe got roots in Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you go on, so you go on there, and you say you were you. Were, that's two broad spectrums, either nursing or you know agriculture. So finish your story you said you saw the the cows you said yes like i saw a cow like there were cows like right outside our window and people used to tip them so they'd go like cow tipping at night but for the cow (laughs) tipping explain cow tipping for the for the folks who live in body road so this cow tipping so cow tipping is like when you um go on a farm like obviously like a cattle ranch or something and there's cows you approach them when they're like i don't know if cows sleep honestly so uh, (laughs) correct me if i'm wrong the animal science people but um usually they stand like very stationary and you push them over so that's that's like you're literally tipping a cow over (laughs) and that's 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 what these do for fun i mean people did it for fun it's fairly dangerous but you know you ever been cow tipping no (laughs) never partook in in cow tipping but seeing those cows and um seeing that people were actually taking classes on the farm it really piqued my interest in like just wanting to be out there in general so I started exploring my options as it related to how can I just get integrated in this department. I wanted to do animal science, but after I took a meats class and there was a whole lot of like slaughtering in the abattoir, yeah, yeah, yeah. I decided that that's just See, not for this, me. This is the dynamic that I wanted to experience because I think you know that he, you did animal science, right, buddy? 
Yeah, I do. I was sorry. So she's, right. she's speaking in my real house, you know what I mean? With <laughs> right. all the cutting and slaughtering, you know? Yeah, I that was definitely a no-go. So I chose plant and soil sciences. So if I uproot a plant, it's not going to scream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's pretty chill. <laughs> So that's, that's, yeah, that was kind of the direction that I took, but I didn't transition from like majoring in biology. I forgot. I skipped that part, but I majored in biology for like almost two years, but then I switched over to agriculture. So I was able to finish uh, the agriculture program in about two and a half years, but yeah, that's, it's kind of like my uh, college journey educational wise in a nutshell. So is the agriculture, um, program separate from the plant and soil or is that like all in one because you said you do your bio first your first two years and then i guess you get to like switch into what you wanted to do yeah so um the college of biology is separate from the college of agriculture so with agriculture you have agribusiness um animal sciences plant and soil sciences so those are like the three uh concentrations within the agriculture department itself so because i had all of those like um foundational classes in biology it was very easy to switch from one science to the next so i kind of got rid of a lot of the core classes that i would have had to take in in the agriculture department and just started um basically into my core courses so what would uh, what was the um, m and the a and m stand for manufacturing or mechanical mechanicals agriculture and mechanical mm-hmm. okay i didn't know that yeah very popular with engineering all right cool so after you get your your, your bachelor's degree then so then i don't from your from your standpoint like because even for me and my animal science like how did you even like think like okay how can i like get a job if i even like go back home with like that bachelor's degree because i don't i didn't know much people (laughs) even in agriculture in the bahamas in general so just from the bachelor's standpoint before i get into your master's like how was that thinking all right all right i'm a major into agriculture and plant soil scientist how am i gonna get a job you know well you know this whole cliche about us having like three major industries one being tourism agriculture banking And I'm like, well, if agriculture is in the top three, there has to be at least one job, you know. But, of course, I learned the hard way after getting my bachelor's. So, I, it was basically like, well, girl, good luck. So, after, like, struggling with the job market here for about a year, I decided that I was just going to get another degree to just basically try again. Maybe if I get another degree, they'll uh, look twice at me now. So after, you know, after you graduated with your bachelor's, you came home? I came home. Came home and then you went back? And then I went back. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I never stayed. I came back for a full year. <laughs> so you come home and you're just like, but ain't no one asked so you. Come home and ain't nothing. The same for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because I really was just going to settle with the bachelor's at first. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It, it was just, I wasn't feeling it. So when you came home, what did you did, did you work or was you trying to get work? so (laughs) i mean i worked but it wasn't like it wasn't um, your field your profession no actually you know where i worked um i worked at okay i I was trying to uh remember the acronym but it was basically like the parents association for track and field athletes where (laughs) we would assist um a lot of the athletes who may not have been like the top one two or three choices for uh, scholarships and me alongside of like a few other people we would like source um, scholarships whether it's just like a scholarship for books or like room and board or you know just something for them yeah Yeah, something for them to offset the cost so I did that for that year that I was here okay Um, we were able to get a lot of students off to college who probably didn't think that they had a chance and it was more so geared toward like the public school uh, kids so a lot of them was able to go at least just get a two year uh, into a two year program, associates. get an associates, you know, just mm, to have something. Make a shake from there. Yeah. Was that available when we were coming up? Because I, I don't remember no association like that. Yes, actually, but it was available. Um, when was that? Like probably like our last year in a half in college. Because I actually got a scholarship oh. from them. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't really? like a lot, but they were giving. Um, so the scholarship foundation itself gave you funding. Uh, in connection with the Ministry of Education, but they also sourced it from the university or college itself. But yeah, I, I was able to get like three thousand dollars for the year. But I mean, it's still that's paid for something. Yeah. So track athletes have it because have it like that. Cannot the back pedal, but we could chop this up. But I know 
they were saying like, man, college was an old thing for you. Just hang on the paper and like, I'll pick your school. So do chat at least. So do, that's what I need to know. Like do chat, do chat at least have have it like that. Like in the Bahamas, where if you like good enough, you could really just hand pick the school you want to go to. Like speak on that, cause I don't know. No, like seriously, that's that's how it is. I mean, and Aaron could talk on that as well because, See, like, for track athletes, it's different because you have so many like institutions and divisions. You have D one, then you have D two, you have D three, and then you have JUCO, then you yeah, have NAIA, Bing. So it's mm-hmm. like, and all of those levels kind of fit for like your talent. So if you're not the best in the world, then you're not gonna make a D1. Yeah. But then if you don't make a D1, you could shoot for a D2, which is what I went, which is kind of like the second best. And if you ain't good in a D2, then you can shoot for D3. And if you don't get at any school and NAIA always willing to take you, or if you just really was kind of not like academically sound in high school and a JUCO always gonna take you, then you're gonna transition into a D1. So it's always gonna be opportunities. And I guess it's like that. Well, I'm not going to say it's like that for a lot of other sports, but for track. No, it ain't. No, mostly it track. Ain't. <laughs> mostly you track. Because, I mean, you know the, the basketball grind and then the track, if you're a grind, different. So you would know the difference. Yeah, but, but track. I know, I know what she mean when she says she didn't have to kind of like fight for a school because it's always schools that they're willing. It's just, the, yeah. it just depends if you're willing to go in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. That too. That too. <laughs> yeah. So was there any other school that could have got you? Because you said you wanted to do the nursing or the agriculture. So was there any other school in Southern? Yeah. So there were three, well, four schools that um, showed interest. So um, there was Akron. Uh, there was that's also, that's yeah, that's D1. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in that's Daytona, Florida. That's that, yeah, that's a D1. Um, what else? Uh, TCU. Definitely do. Texas Christian. Yeah. And then there was Southern University. And a lot of people kind of question me like, well, why would you go to an HBCU or something like so small when you had other offers? But I don't know, like at that time in my life, I actually knew the trajectory of like where I wanted to take my career. I wasn't undecided in any sense. I knew it was either one thing or the next. Southern University has one of the best nursing programs, even when it comes to like pre-med as well. And um, the hiring rate out of the nursing program is basically 100%, you know, and even with the agriculture program as well, it's almost like a 100% hiring rate afterwards, you know, so it was kind of like a no brainer. And I always wanted to be in an environment where it's like a very small student to teacher ratio. So a lot of my courses in the ag department, it was only like maybe three of us or six of us. And that's the kind of uh, environment that I really thrive in mostly as opposed to just having one lecture to like um, lecturer rather to like 100 students. Yeah, so that, that really was in my thing. One time. See, that's different. She had it all calculated out. Me, I just like, boy, I lead with track first and then <laughs> academics could follow because... Here on that list of schools, like as a track person, you would pick TCU because TCU Absolutely. historically is like the best TCU track school the, yeah. out of those yep. few. But then you was like, you know what? I don't, I'm, I don't want to say you in the best at triple jump, but you wasn't. No. I was. Uh, <laughs> Why you trying to go down yourself? Walk <laughs> no. off. Walk no, off. Cause the thing is, no, because the thing is, there were only two of us. Triple. or Well, no, it was four of us. And me, yeah, it was for tomorrow. Yeah, here, like locally, there was only four of us and ranked in the Caribbean. I was only like number five, you know, so it's not like I was number one, two or three. So um, I don't know. I I also knew that I I really, to be honest, I did not like track. (gasps) Like (laughs) every track person is say that. Why they say that? Yes. Like, why is that a thing? Like track persons be like, I don't really like love track. And it's not even like a revelation after I was done. I never liked it from the get-go. I just knew that it was a gateway to getting into college. You could have kind of, if you, if you didn't know Deandra from high school, you could have kind of know she hated track. She <laughs> like, hated working out. I hated it's working not, out. I hated running. Like everything about track disgusted me, honestly. <laughs> but if I was like, you know, somewhat good at a sport and I'm like, well, they're just giving out money. Yeah. So why not? No, boy. I- I, I was in love with track, but I mean, now that I'm not, I don't run track anymore, I could kind of identify the problems that track has. It's like, bro, you know, we've been to Arkansas. You know, we didn't see Olympic champions. We didn't know all Olympic the problems. Olympic guys in class with them. And then you, see, but, you, see and you can see that their life ain't even like remotely 
that far from a person who actually just graduated and got like a nine to five. So when you kind of see that disparity is like, bro, track and It's like, bro, you might do... suggest get a degree and go live life. You see, they yeah, say track and field do a lot of people no justice. <laughs> it's like, it's no middle class for track and field. It's either no. you the best and or you the worst. make all the money or you going to be the fucking toilet of the whole industry. And that's why you can look back and be like, bro, I don't like track and field. So yeah. I understand it now. I feel it. I feel it. I feel like, man, so now, after you get your bachelor's degree now, and then you say, nah, so I ain't making no sense, man. I came back foreign to get your master's. So I see you get your master's in urban forestry. So how did you get to that? Like, what is urban, urban forestry, forestry? And like, how did you get to this? Like, I don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So like with... Watch the vision. <laughs> so with urban forestry, the reason I chose that is because I always like the idea of integrating um, crop production with the forest that we do have. Because I always knew... Andrews would be the place that I would, um, you know, put my roots when it comes to crop production, whether it's through education or like the actual physical application of crop production. But Andrews, a lot of pine forests. The best way to even understand how that, um, you know, system can work together, like agriculture commercially, you know, meshing with forestry, urban forestry really is that bridge or that gateway to, you know, just sort of marry the two together. So that's, that's really why I chose it. And um, honestly, it was just, I don't, not to sound like super cliche, but it seemed to be like one of the easiest things to, <laughs> to major in at that point. But um, yeah, that, that's really why I chose it. Because I know I didn't want to uh, deviate too far away from agriculture. So there's so many things that I can do, uh, like when it comes to being flexible in the job market, I can um, be an arborist, um, I can be an agronomist, I can be an educator for agroforestry or specifically for plant and soil sciences or specifically for forestry. So I just wanted to make myself like as flexible as possible while still dealing with plants, you know, some on like a commercial scale for um, cash crops and others for just like... uh, GIS applications, remote sensing, you know, that sort of thing. So see you take you take the thing super educational now. Now you gotta break down some terms. <laughs> you gotta break down yeah, you gotta break down some terms gotta, for audience. You gotta now. break it when, down for the streets. You see that? You know what I mean? For the streets, you got the normal behemoths now. These people who might no, want to No, no, so 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 what do you mean? So I'm like break it down like so so like urban forestry, like what 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 does that entail and how can we like integrate that? Specifically with the crops in like agriculture in the Bahamas, like right so that too, that? that too. But like when you say pine forest, you mean just like pine trees, and when you say agro, whatever, and this whatever, like the you can give a lemon, lemon, lemon terms and those things. Because I over here like, what's she talking? Okay, so in a nutshell, how do I grow onions in the forest? Okay, bing, bing. You know, bang. I grow these tomatoes in the forest right. and now we, the pine trees. That's, that's what it is. Now we talking. So that's agroforestry. So when you break it down into um, agro and then forestry agriculture like as it relates to crop production or even uh see look what i tell you i said look. aaron please tell me when this might get too close so i, <laughs> no. so I wouldn't touch my lip you straight down me watching <laughs> but yeah so um when it comes to like agroforestry again you think about the agro which is like crop animals whatever the case may be and then um how do i make this happen within a forest okay you is know it, so is it even important that I- that it does happen in the forest because a lot of the crops I see happen like in a controlled environment. When I think about forest, I think about like bush, just miles and miles of bush just naturally growing by itself. You know what I call that? What? Sustainability. <laughs> cold, cold, cold. Words on your hand, dog. <laughs> so yeah, so um, when you think about our climatic impact too, you want to be as sustainable as possible. So when you do have happens by itself without any like you can make like you can contribute to these practices time and time again time without and them, you know, deteriorating the land. Okay. You know, so um, whether it's uh, organic farming, um, I'm not really the biggest. I wouldn't say not the biggest fan of organic farming. Um, it's a little far fetched, but uh, <laughs> I guess we'll <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there, but. Um, yeah, when it comes to like urban forestry, it allows you to use like the forest plants mm-hmm. as maybe a method of like wind control, like acting as a natural windbreak, as opposed to maybe like putting up a, a fence manually, you know, like using manual labor with a, you know, your hammer and nails and some wood and mm-hmm. all of that. The trees act as a natural uh, buffer for wind. Um, 
again, protection against maybe like other outside elements, whether it be like biological in a sense that, you know, you're warding off larger pests. Like, for example, in Andrus, there's a lot of wild boars. So um, if you have a field in the farm, naturally they're going to be attracted to your crops. Right. All right. So if you have trees, it's easy to just wire it, like put barbed wires around the naturally existing perimeter. So like you use a lot less resources. Um, and of course, like when you farm in the forest, naturally you have more... Uh, well-fertilized soil or like growing media rather to use as opposed to maybe a commercial plot in the inner city, you know? So it's just so many ways in which you can be sustainable in a forest setting as opposed to just what you may see on TV, like the commercial farms that span acres and acres to where you can't really see the end if you stand on one side. So yeah, I mean, and based off of our current agricultural climate, um, it's, it's suitable for the amount of production that we do currently have. Now, when we talk about expansion, um, probably it won't be enough. But as for now, it's definitely something that we are currently doing. And Andra said, there's a lot of farmers. You don't really see nobody farming just off of the side of the street. Everyone has a farm within the forest. Really? You know, it's, so. a, it's, it's a lot of farmers uh, down there in Andres? Like they have a, a lot. good much stuff? A lot. And see, the thing is, too, a lot of the produce that you do see in your stores or even at the farmer's market, everything comes from Andres. Really? You know, and it's not just from one particular source. Is it, just, is it, is it strictly because of the, they have, they have the, um, the real estate, the, the land to actually... That plays a very big role in it. But a lot of them, too, have a lot more expertise than um, maybe individuals... Uh, I wouldn't, let me not put it that way, because then people would feel like I'm stepping on toes saying that farmers <laughs> lack certain skills depending yeah, on their yeah, island. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that when you're on the out island too, a lot of them are more inclined to wanting to feed themselves as opposed to us living in the city. I mean, we're right. just more so interested in like going to a store and purchasing our crops as opposed to growing it ourselves. So you just have more people who are interested in actually growing for themselves and, you know, for profit as well, because I mean, hey, that's their job too. Yeah. Are most of these farmers, are these like uh, passed down, like family generational uh, farmers? Are these just like new uh, farmers uh, who would just grow up on the island and wanted to farm? Or like how is, how is the farmer, I guess, ratio in Andres? Because I don't know. So a lot of it is generational. But um, one of the saddest things that I have seen, though, um, even though it is generational, there's a significant age gap. So you would have farmers who are like within their 50s or 60s, and then you have new age farmers that are like in their 20s and 30s. So there's almost like a disconnect between uh, two completely different generations because sometimes you have your uh, boomers, boomers, and then and you have, you know, like gen, gen not even millennials. Uh, millennials. millennials. Yeah, so it would be like a gap between uh, millennials and boomers. And then you're like, well, where's no Gen X? Yeah, Generation X. You know, so that um, is probably one of the biggest concerns that we do see when it comes to like a generation to generation type of knowledge transfer. But um, I think, honestly, we are improving that a lot because there are more resources now to, you know, just inform people of the importance and, you know, get them to understand that there's real careers in agriculture Outside of just um, like planting seeds in a farm, you know, because that's really the stigma that's attached to that's, agriculture. That's the stigma to it, you know, like growing up, you know, I always say we need to get some farming and fishing and stuff in school because growing up, I tell me now I would be a farmer, you know, I'm like, wait, Bro, get out of here. But now I'm like, it's why like no one farming? I'm like, why <laughs> yeah. no one go farming? In, like, go in the queue. Go into QC and I guess private schools. Like, what's she talking now? You could at least be an adult and having kind of like a full scale um, retrospective of everything. You know, you could hear like, bro, that's a lot of money because you know, living in Arkansas, you know, like agriculture is a big, big, big. That that is the business of of Arkansas. You all do corn. Like they do a lot of Tyson. Corn that's where Tyson. Oh, Tyson. Is. Yeah, 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 so yeah. That kind of there. So there's yeah. three of the main big companies in Arkansas. You have JB Hunt, you have Tyson, and then you have what's Simmons. The what? Simmons chicken. Yeah, Simmons chicken. And there and it's kinda like agriculture is big. So with that perspective, knowing how how much resources we have here, it's like why nobody is doing that here, you know what I mean? 
And then that should transition into you kind of like talking about Bamsi. And because I remember me and you was reasoning a couple of times. You was like, bro, we have a whole campus. We have like a bunch of dorms. You have all of these things. And like nobody knows about these things. Nobody uses these things. So like, how do you feel you could kind of like spread that message to kind of like Bahamians yeah, like, high yeah. school? How do we get that into like the younger generation right. and all of that? Like, to make it kind of like more prevalent. So honestly, that's part of um, my biggest passion when it comes to being an educator in the industry of agriculture. It's so important to start young. You know, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why agriculture hasn't been introduced as a permanent fixture in the curriculum right. starting from primary school. I don't school. have no idea. It's that's so you know? crazy. That is very crazy. Yeah, that's so like for, in a lot of cases, they only have it like as a, a club, like an after school yeah. activity, you know, and that's not enough. It should it's be the main enough. thing. Like how we learn right. about social studies, it should be agriculture. They should have fishing. They should have everything where agriculture yeah, should be. Bro, in, in there, yeah, bro. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, that's definitely something for the Ministry of Education to uh, figure out. But it's, it's something. this to you, Ministry of Education. We sending this clip to you. Yes. Y'all better tighten <laughs> up over there. We holding y'all accountable only at Washington. <laughs> so anyway, Ma. So um. So what? I want to deviate. I want to deviate a little bit to now. We talking about the Bahamas now. We talking about agriculture. So now you want Andres a lot, but on talk her. Uh, a commercial scale or a backyard farming? What do you think would, would be more beneficial to the Bohemian generation moving forward? Because, you know, food is constantly on the rise now. And like we say, the Bahamas, they don't take advantage of their agriculture as much. So should they try to do it more on a commercial scale or should they just try to educate those individuals to get more on a backyard farming perspective? So for me, um, I like to say it's so easy to walk and chew gum at the same time. So two things can exist at once. So I think we should focus on both, like give the same amount of energy to each of those. But the thing is, um, again, it gets uh, very political when it comes to the uh, commercial side of it. But when we think about backyard farming, this is why I felt so inclined to creating a course that is specific to um, learning more about the ins and outs and the importance of backyard farming. Because the thing is, it's that um, even if you look at your grocery bill, for example, and when you go to the produce section, you're like, okay, well, tomatoes are something that I purchase a lot, you know? And when I look at my yearly expenditure for tomatoes, maybe it's about $250, $300, right? Over the course of the full 52 weeks in the year. So if you... You, you actually do that? What? You look mean for like... For your vegetables, you look at like... Tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yes, so I that mean, is... I, I would understand why you do that because you you know how much you probably would save if you was to grow. Yeah. Okay, so that's probably why. So I that's, like <laughs> that's the key part of like understanding what type of crops that you should grow in your backyard. Right. Because for backyard farming, it's it's more than just aesthetics. You know, a lot of people like to just, you know, put the raised beds and they're like, okay, well, um, I want it to look this way or that way. And there's nothing wrong with, right, yeah. um, you, you have a raised yeah, bed? Right, What's yeah. in it? She had tomato, uh, sweet peppers, you know, the normal beaming. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> so that's the, kind of, that's the kind of mindset that we need growing things that we consume commonly. Right, right. So that you're able to reduce the grocery bill, whether it's like by 100 to $300 a year. That plays a significant difference because that money you can use that for gas right. or, you know, other little bills that may come up. So Because for, for low income people, that's going to be a major exactly. difference. Exactly. And you see that bread basket items now. They're being taxed. Right. So, to the roof. Yeah, man. So that's that's part of why I am very passionate about backyard farming. Again, um, I'm very frugal. So anywhere that I can save money, I'm gonna do it. So you break? Break. <laughs> that's the gag. I'm broke. Nah, we all we all break over here. <laughs> so we like to ask like like top three. So if I wanted to say, okay, DeAndre, I'm gonna be a backyard farmer today. Give me the top three or four things you think I should need or know, however, need or know to start my backyard mm, farming good, journey. That's a good question. Okay, so again, the first thing what I did, what we just discussed, is understanding your grocery bill. Like, that is so important. Like, itemize your grocery bill. I know it seems like a lot, but it helps 
significantly when it comes to the planning. So itemize your grocery list and maybe just choose one or two crops that you see you purchase uh, very, very frequently. So when you choose that particular crop, you do your research on that crop to see, okay, maybe uh, this type of variety of tomatoes. Like if your crops were like tomatoes and bell peppers, and again, those are things that Every Bahamian consumes a lot, you know. That, that's going that's every. The that's the foundation. Yeah, that, like that's going meal. every dish. That's the foundation of every Bahamian meal. <laughs> you know. So why wouldn't you want to grow tomatoes and, and bell peppers? But the thing is, after you would have discovered the crops that you want to grow, what's next is that you look at the varieties, and when you gain knowledge on the varieties that you would um, prefer to consume, look at when they're uh, most successfully grown. All right. Season. So you can't just pick a crop and say, OK, well, I want to grow broccoli and it's the middle of the summer, yeah. you know, so you, you have to be very uh, specific on crop seasons. So just generally making yourself aware that you can't just treat plants as things that, you know, um, they're going to do whatever you say that, it, you know, they should do. You know, it's the same thing as you, you know keeping up with your health as an individual. The same thing with a plant. They require certain um, environmental, uh, you know, characteristics that, you know, assist with them growing and yielding as they should. So gain some knowledge on the crops that you would have selected based off of that grocery list and plan, you know, like having a garden plan is something that a lot of us tend to uh, ignore. So what, I mean, when I say a garden plan is like a thorough list of maybe activities that you need to do in order to make this planting successful. You know, the tools that you would need, the season in which they need to be produced, um, the type of fertilizer that they need. And everything that I'm mentioning is all theoretical. So people only look at the practical application of backyard farming, but the theory comes first. Right. Like you always have to prioritize the theory because again, agriculture is more than just taking the seed, putting it in the soil. Fox, you you have to gain an appreciation for the science. You know, you know what's going on and what's happening, you know? Exactly. Because people think even like with soil, they think just soil is soil. And because the soil is black, that means it's rich and it's giving you everything that you need. But realistically, that's not the case. Yeah. You know, a lot of the characteristics that we're used to seeing can be very misleading. So you have to prioritize the theory before you can even begin to apply uh, practice to it so that's that's really like my top three when it comes to See? establishing a backyard farm <laughs> you need to go talk to me <laughs> Uh, one month, we get, one we month. get six more minutes, amen. So, oh, yeah. six more minutes. Oh, yeah, love yourself. Finish it up. Finish it up. Right, I got, I, I, I got so much more questions, but I can let this six minutes go. So, I got um. So, just on the backyard farming, if people want information, do you know anywhere that they could go where they could get backyard information on backyard farming? You could plug yourself in, or you could plug in any other avenues in which someone yeah, like me like- want to. Right, because yeah, like, so, everything's so detailed. What you say right now, people need. Yeah, so how do how do we get that information? You could either plug in yourself, like I say, because I was on your Instagram, grow underscore with underscore me. I think two four two, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I was looking on there, yeah. and, and I saw you had like seminars and stuff like that, and I was like, I had no idea that you even do this. You know what I mean? So yeah, just talk about that. Okay, so um, I do have a farming page. Well, urban farming page, I should say. Uh, It's called Grow With Me, grow underscore with underscore me, 242. So um, I'm not as active as I'd like to be on that page, but usually if anyone sends me a DM about, you know, troubleshooting anything related to backyard farming, um, it's just free info just on that one database. So another source of learning about backyard farming and becoming certified in it um, is through BAMSI. So I'm a lecturer at BAMSI. And yeah, so I'm a lecturer at BAMSI and I developed a backyard farming uh, course. It's NACOB approved, meaning that it is um, something that could be offered at an accredited uh, institute. So the certification is 100% uh, real and you can use it as a resume booster. So um, that course I developed is a seven week course that I have it itemized over the course of seven weeks to where... One week is catered to like learning about soil. Other weeks are catered to um, 
crop production as it relates to starting seedlings or just understanding how the environment plays a role in choosing the best area in which you can set up your backyard farm and really everything in between. So it's a seven week course. Um, it's something that you definitely do have to pay for, but um, it's a seven week course yeah. that we do offer at BAMSI. Um, again, it's something that you can uh, take usually offered in the summer. But um, depending on how many people are willing to, uh, we tend to run it, whether it's in the fall semester or spring semester. So um, that's definitely two ways in which you can, you know, boost your knowledge on backyard farming. So again, with my platform on Instagram, it's not something that I'm always like on top of like 24 seven. But if I see your DM, whether it's like a day or two late, um, just understand that you could get free information from that. But when it comes to like me actually giving you assignments and, you know, testing your knowledge and giving you uh, coursework, you know, quizzes, everything in between, that is something that you can get directly from my backyard farming course at BAMSI. Oh man, I, I didn't even know, like, because I'd be, I'd be away so much, I didn't even know, like, Bamsi was actually, like, doing a thing, you know what I mean? So, do y'all have, like, an online aspect to that, or is it just strictly you have to go to Bamsi for it? No, my backyard farming course is strictly online, mostly because I want to be able to reach as many islands as possible. So, um, the only thing that I require, I give you a list of items that you need to have prior to your enrolling. So as we go along on a week by week basis, you're able to keep up as I demonstrate how to do certain things. And yeah, that's that's really how we run the course. But I made it completely virtual so that it can be accessible to anyone who wanted to uh, partake, because I mean, the likelihood of people being able to travel you know, to Andres, it, it's not really feasible, <laughs> you know, for a whole seven weeks, <laughs> it's, it's asked, not feasible. You know? Yeah. So we have um, that option, you know, fully virtual for anyone who really like want to be a part of it. Like I always post on my page too, whenever it is being offered, but it's usually like an annual thing. But this past year I offered it twice because we did have uh, that many people willing or wanting rather to, to enroll. So yeah, depending on that's how many people want it, amazing. that's when we offer. That's really, like, amazing. Is there, like, an educational, like, limit? Because I know some people think, like, you have to be the most smartest person ever. Like, is there any type of educational um, limit to entering your seven-week class? No, no prerequisites. Just come as you are. I got you. All right, then. See, that, that sounds amazing. We need to talk offline because i want i want getting bombs yeah, too. real you talk y'all do need the game i we can link up for doing 14 week course or something yeah, but it's something be, yeah be a nasty duo we waiting we waiting for us to touch the awesome man i'm saying there's no, there's that, not many, many of us later, there's really not so, many of us it, so it ain't so i just i wanted to speak on that so it, there are there like not a lot of people inside the realm of space in terms of agriculture agriculture as a whole umbrella are you talking about Jess on the crop um, side of things? No, um, agriculture in general, as it relates to a formal education in agriculture. So um, when I say formal education, I'm not even talking about like you graduating from college and getting a degree, but, you know, being fully aware of the science behind the practical. So there aren't a lot of people and it, this is not to discredit anybody who, you know, is really doing the damn thing practically. But um when you do have that uh, theory and practical uh, under your belt, I mean, it kind of puts you, you know, further ahead. <laughs> good choice. Good word choice. Yeah. In the industrial setting, choice. that is. So. No, man. Good word choice, man. So just moving away from that aspect. So I know uh, just earlier we was talking about how, like, we don't have a basically agricultural base in the Bahamas as a whole. And so, do you think, uh, just on your knowledge, like what are the, I would say top three or four, I would say top three crops you think on a commercial scale that you think the Bahamas can benefit from monetarily? Um, it's a good question. When you say the Bahamas, you mean like on a, a global scale for us, like with exporting? Yeah, yeah like a global scale. It ain't even got to be too crazy. Like we could just ship to the United States or Mexico or something like, but because so, I know we were, I had a interview with everything Bahamian, 
And she was saying how we was known for all of our pineapples and things like yeah. that. And they used to love us for our pineapples in the United yeah. States and stuff, uh, and watermelons and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. that's our top three that you think we could get back to on a, just a larger scale than we do now, of course. Um, I don't know if I have a top three, but I do have a top two. I know for certain that pineapples, we really need to get back on it. There is this one young lady I saw on Twitter. She has a pineapple farm in Eleuthera, and it's doing wonderfully, you know, locally. Oh, but really, you know, you know what information so I, get. I wish I did. You got to find out. Yeah. yeah. But like she's really doing the damn thing. But the thing is, a lot of uh, shortcomings come from lower investments, you know, a lot of your farming entrepreneurs, you see, uh, that's out of pocket, you know, and it's it's a big investment. We know, especially like understanding the specifics of crop production or even rearing animals, that is very expensive, you know. Definitely. Costly. Yes, and these are people who also have to work the nine to five to have the investment money. Right. So uh, the investment really is like the disconnect, um, providing farmers with the inputs that they need. So I think that's really the only thing that's stopping us from being global, you know. But I know Just as the capital, of late, basically. yeah, the capital. As of late, I know BDB has been working very closely with a lot of um, farmers. That's giving the Bahamas them Development Bank. Bahamas Development Bank, right. yeah. So they do a lot of um, like giving grants to a lot of farmers. Um, of course, you have to have your farming license and been in production for at least a year. So you get farming input so that you wouldn't have to go in your pocket. So that's that's one of the big disconnects that we do have with even reaching like that global scale. But... My list would have to be pineapples and onions. When I tell you Androgen farmers could grow some onions, like these farmers like onion gods. (laughs) Like I'm not even exaggerating. Like the amount of onions and how well they can grow them, it is mind blowing. But in a lot of cases, you don't really see it that often in your marketplaces because a lot of these big name marketplaces, they are able to purchase onions elsewhere, like outside of just the local market. Yeah, probably Florida. And yeah. Everywhere. So I guess if it's cheaper, they're able to do that. But mm. I think as of late, one thing that I could applaud the ministry for is now they are, I'm not sure of the specifics of it, but they're, you know, forcing these larger supermarkets to buy a certain percentage of their produce. Yeah, locally. Locally. Right. You know, That's so... Okay. So they're making sure some of that money stays yeah, home still. Absolutely. So well, as of recently, when was that implemented? Um, I don't know if it has been implemented okay. as yet, but I know it's definitely something that they were talking about um, for some time. Well, not for some time, but at least about a year at this point. So maybe it is. And maybe I'm just like completely out of the loop. But it's definitely a conversation that they did have uh, as it relates to, you know, allowing local farmers to make a lot more uh, profit from, you know, their mm-hmm. initial investment. So my top two would definitely be onions and pineapples. Mm-hmm. Onions and pineapples. All right, all right then. Top two then. I, I got to write that down. That's so crazy because so. I don't even eat pineapples, but I you know onions. On, onions is basically the foundation of every, every meal. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, sweet that's, potatoes. That's, that's you know what? Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potato. Number three, sweet potato. Why you say sweet potatoes. potato? You make Why you say that? Onions and sweet potatoes, a lot of them come from Andres. Okay. You know, um, if you look at the sweet potato fields and the type of soil that we do have in a lot of the farms in Andres, sometimes you can just leave the sweet potato fields and let it do what it do, and you make uh, a significant profit from that. So it's very low maintenance, and there's not a lot of initial investment that's involved in growing sweet potatoes. So um, low investment costs, very, very big yield. So that that's definitely that's something that... Uh, we can put on on that list. So I'm sitting here, you know, thinking from an entrepreneurial kind of mindset. You would say, because based on everything that you've said so far, what I'm gathering is that Andres is kind of like a gold mine if you want to do agriculture. Like the hub, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, of course, it could be a lot better than what it is now. But the farmers, uh, with the inputs that they do have, they really do an excellent job with troubleshooting whatever problems that may exist and just, um, you know, creating a lot out of nothing, really. Mm -hmm. So imagine if the investment was a lot higher, 
Like their skills are really unmatched. So what do, you think, what do you think people need for the investment? Do you need to just show the potential of the operation? Or I don't think do we think need people- to convince anyone that food is important. Right, that's true. There's no need to convince anyone that food is important. So we need it, the, like regardless. Yeah. In between getting the funds, because if they have the operation, we have the soil, we have. Oh, uh, would you say it's knowledge? I don't know. Or would you say, I don't know. What, or do you think they don't think it's a bad, good return on. Yeah, what do you investment? think? What do you think is I the, think yeah, the bottleneck? Why, this, why they can't acquire the capital to scale this business? I think because, because we look at tourism as our saving grace, um, we, we really just like to highlight that industry specifically. But um, I don't know, like. When it comes to agriculture, of course, it takes years for you to actually see, see you know, mm-hmm. the results of your, uh, you know, investment. So maybe that is what's a bit scary uh, for them, you know, not wanting to wait to see the results see of the that investment. Right? Yeah, that's real so. because you know, uh, you know, the political. I don't get too much into politics, but you know, the political turnover is be every five years, and so exactly when you got a three-year window in that five years to show something. So you know what I mean? I don't. I guess they ain't gonna exactly. commit to that. So y'all do, nah, bl- y'all, y'all do blaming the government? <laughs> no, we ain't blaming the government. <laughs> <laughs> we got this one out. I we know. got this one out. Uh, I, we got, I we got this one out. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. No, that's man, so man, that's all the questions I really had, man. I really have some more, but I ain't going to take uh, too much of your time, man. But I just wanted to thank you for coming on Watch the Vision Show, man. Yeah, bro, I like this one, bro. She, my boy, she, Abel. She, she, this was very, 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 very informative, informative, man. We got from the track to agriculture. Um, all that info I didn't know, I got to start telling my little cousins and stuff, run tracks so they can pick whatever college they want to go to. <laughs> <and then>, See <so. laughs> what I'm saying? We don't know if it's still like that. I nah. know, I think so, because these new athletes different. That's what I'm the saying. The time's different. Oh, the, new, the time's different now. <laughs> we grow up here too. Yeah. yeah. But this is good, though. I appreciate this. I Never a problem. Going. I really enjoyed being here, honestly. Minus the air condition, yeah, but we ain't <laughs> you, got, you got a lot of info. You got a lot of info to plug in, man. So just plug in your, your social media again, because I can be following you. All the time now with all your webinars and stuff. I didn't know you had, I had no idea that you did this stuff. I just saw it on Twitter from time to time. So now that I see you, I can be tapped in. So just plug in your social media yeah, for us one more time. Just everywhere you want people to find you, where they could get information, free information. Because you know, BM is like free things. So. Free. And free I'm ding. frugal too. So frugal. I like giving out the free. <laughs> so just give them all the information. We got it in the link in the description. So Okay. So again, um, my backyard farming page is grow underscore with underscore me 242 so it's an open page even if you just want to take a browse everything is open for you to just click and see um, all of my descriptions on everything I post I try to be as descriptive as possible but again if you want further information or explanations feel free to just shoot me a DM I am more than willing to assist are you having a class this coming fall? Um, seven, another seven-week class this fall at Bomzy? Um, It depends on how many students I get. So hopefully whoever is seeing this, you uh, get a little excited about uh, learning more about urban farming. <laughs> and, you know, if we get enough students, I, I would be ecstatic actually to run the course for another seven weeks. Hopefully I can get about three classes in the year. So, yeah, as long as there's interest, I'm available. Sound good. Sounds good, man. So signing out here at Watch the Vision Show with your boy DJ oh. Roscoe, my dog, A dot W I L. Now special guest, Miss DeAndre DeVoe. D- Yay! D- D- yeah. <laughs> 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 That's all it, babe. I just Bro, you got a dog, boy. Like for real, man. Bombers, wait on you. Don't never, don't come home. Don't come home. Don't come home. Don't come home. We got. You I don't want to go to UB mostly because they don't have like an agriculture program. They have like small island sustainability, which is more so like environmental science. So, um, like, I want to be on the farm. I want to be able to have the resources I need to execute whatever project I need to, you know, complete. So, so how is Bombs and UB and all of these institutions not under the same arm? 
Everyone, everyone's so know. siloed. That's crazy. I don't know, honestly, because UB is private, huh? Is that or is that public? I, I, I have no idea. I, I honestly don't know, but like with Bouncy, it's quasi, like quasi government. Yeah, but I would see so. that they would like let you like implement your own like course and stuff in there, wouldn't they? At UB because. It's needed? I, I yeah. feel like this is actually like a need. Yes, know? and that's yeah. because the need is a need because that's where I kind of like, that's where the funnel is. That's where the behemoths just by default that's automatically go. go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I nobody, think... I don't think I heard about Bonzi before you. I don't, I don't, no, I don't think I've ever heard about Bonzi before I talked to you. What's crazy is that BAMS, people don't understand the opportunities that you can actually get from Bouncy. A lot of our students actually get scholarships to like Division two schools to continue their education. You know, and using Bouncy as that, you I'm know, like using yeah, Bouncy right. as like you know to so, get started. Right. So if you're like kind of undecided, you go to Bouncy. And the thing is, Bouncy is free. It's it's literally free if you have a particular GPA. If you can maintain a GPA of putting um, in progress. Like two <laughs> 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 I like this <laughs> If you can maintain a GPA of 2.5 and above, the tuition is free. Like, you don't have to pay a cent. You just have to be full-time. Like, that is it. And people get full scholarships to places like, um, of course, it's like small universities, but like Central State University or... Yeah, you just um, get off, you know? What, what other university? University of the Ozarks. Like, there's so many, like, way... So, like, there's so, so many opportunities that you can get uh, coming from Bouncy because we are an accredited institute and our credits transfer to colleges in the U.S. So, two. I have a two-tune question now. So, one is... If it's free, do, does room and board come free too? Because I know niggas ain't trying to move to Andres. <laughs> room and board, um, I don't think that's free. <laughs> I mean, t- tuition is free, but like room and board, you probably got to foot that bill yourself. But again, it's nothing as extreme as the states. The disconnect is because you got to move to Andres. Yeah, you have that's to move That's kind of like a big commitment. Yeah, you that's like so? the big, you know. Not for me, you know me that not move. Not for me, like, like but like, like, like people who like, you know, people who only know Nassau, that's a big. Me, I didn't live everywhere in America, but for people who who never leave this island, that's kind of a big commitment. Put you, your big boy, big girl pants on and take the risk. <laughs> hey, what yeah. you mean? You that's you real. That. No, you that's know, real. You that's cannot, real. You cannot second guess success. That's true. You can't. So not. now, that's 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 crazy. So, but now. I want to know, right? Because like Ava said, he ain't never heard of Bomzy before you. But I hear Bomzy, right? But I don't... The information about Bomzy is what missing. Like, I know Bomzy exists, but I don't even know if Bomzy open yeah, like, or like they how you get the free school. So, like, I didn't even know Bomzy was on Andres. Like, real talk. I don't know nothing <laughs> about Bomzy. No. So, but how does this information lost? And it's such, like, a good thing. How... Why is the information about Bomzy getting, like, missed and fizzled out in the wind? Honestly, I wish I could answer that. I honestly don't know because they have a website. And if you visit the website, um, bamsibahamas.edu.bs, you're able to like access each individual department, see the offerings, see the curriculum. Um, they have information on the full tuition grant, everything they have on that website. And the website has just recently been updated. But like, if you just take a look at that website, it's there. You know, but I don't know um, when it comes to like advertising it, how well that's doing. But when I tell people I work at Bamsey, the first thing they ask is that, oh, you work on the farm. I'm like, no, I'm a lecturer. Like uh, I teach plant and soil sciences, you know. (laughs) But yeah, I don't I really don't understand where the disconnect is. But I think a lot of individuals just really don't care about um, making agriculture a career. So I don't know. Maybe that's just it because. You're not really engaged enough in like your primary and secondary levels of education to even consider that as an, you know, option, you know, because 
you know, when we're in high school, the only thing we're taught, either doctor, lawyer, accountant. Doctor, lawyer, accountant. Yeah. That's it right there. The, the Holy doctor, Trinity, lawyer, you know? That's it. That's all we're taught. But one of them three years of failure. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I think that, that's right. where the biggest disconnect comes from, is just the lack of knowing type of opportunities that we do have and the thing is too one thing um that i also do i'm a very big uh advocate for community because i was born and raised in a low-income community it's always been something that um i wanted to improve you know i hated just being one of the very few people who may have you know made it out the hood when it comes to like earning a degree and moving forward from there. But I do a lot of work with like at-risk youth. So um, recently I partnered with, like through Bamsi, I partnered with uh, Project Shore. And that's like um, an, uh, an alternative school that reintegrates what they consider problem students. Um, it's an all boys uh, program where if they're kicked out of whatever school that they're in, they go to program shore and then they're reintegrated into society in a sense. So I just partnered with them recently to host a horticulture uh, program to where, you know, they at least get a certificate of participation, Patient, you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, agriculture, along with this um, group called the Way of Life Ministries. Um, they have a lot of inner city kids and it's always like just all boys and um, hardly ever any uh, women, but well, young ladies, I should say, but I've only ever worked with like at risk young men so that they're able to understand that, hey, there's other alternatives than thinking that you're a failure if you're not good in um, math, and math and, you know, maybe, uh, yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, so. Well, I must say. I must yeah, say. bro, when you, when you get scared, you got to come home and try and make a little difference, bro. <laughs> Real talk. Yeah, man, yeah, man, I get into that. That's why I still start. Like you say, y'all niggas got the knowledge. Like, y'all modern. You can't get more qualified than with y'all is. You know what I mean? Bachelor's, PhD, master's. Like, yeah, it's a nice little power circle we have here, so. Yeah, and again, like uh, I said, yeah, it's, it's a couple of us who are, like, formally qualified in that arena. Like, the, there's a couple of us. We, we definitely do exist, but it's a matter of, I like. I'm trying to find them. Piece by piece, I can get them to ring a phone. I'll, I'll send you the contact of two of them that I do know who I. Uh, what what Roscoe's saying is he, he come 100K for him to come home. That's all. You, if you saw the 100K, yeah. Big bag. Big bag. Big, big, big bag. bag. <laughs> 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 yes. I get it. I get it because you're not going to make anything here. Let me just be blunt. You're, you're not going to make nothing. What, what is. That's the fine. Uh, 20 quid, 30k. What is nothing? Not okay, not that. But he ain't gonna <laughs> <ain't, laughs> be no six figure. He ain't gonna be no six figure boy. <laughs> not the oh, billionaires no, boys got, club. Yeah, we got that. So I gotta see me later then. Gotta <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see? He ain't no six figure boy now. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah, man. DeAndre, man. I want to continue. I want to run on, man. But I just want to tell you if no one ever tell you. Are you showing you? Oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta drop big bro. But I, I just want to tell you, man, you're doing the damn thing, man, from. She this interview, really man, really you is. doing the damn thing, man. So thank I just you, thank give you. you your flowers I'm, for sure. I'm inspired, to be yeah. honest. I can't tell you, no, you I'm inspired because I know. Doing, you doing the thing. You inspired me. <laughs> I, like, I got to go out of that. I got to get myself out there. No, but it's you who who doing the inspiration. Because when I saw you get that PhD, I'm like, dang, yeah, you know the significance that shit of that. is inspiring. That is definitely inspiring. Yes, because I, I I'm looking at you. I'm like, I need to be here. Right, because she was telling me she wanted to do a PhD, but she like the stress. That why, you, why, why why didn't you um, why didn't you do your PhD? And I'll get to why I do mine. But why didn't you or uh, why or uh, are you still thinking of doing it or? Um, I am kind of still thinking about it, but the way uh, my personal life set up, I couldn't commit another four years to being away from making money. Nah, that's you no. know, Trust that's me, true. Trust that, me. I totally, totally understand that about yeah. your life. <laughs> that inner city life, I, you know, we're not, well, me, I, I wasn't granted the opportunity of having a lot of choices. So, got to get out there, work, and make money to yeah. support. So four years, so much can happen in four years. Exactly. Like, that's, yeah, four years, really, 
if you really think about it, four years is almost like a decade. Almost, yes, it's like you can it's lose way too long. family members. You could yep. have kids. Like mm-hmm. you could have so much things could happen. Really, so four yeah. years change a lot. So, so why you decided to do yours, bro? I mean, honestly, you kind of just because I was like, I already was doing my masters and yeah, you honestly, I didn't want no one break for you. It wasn't that I, I, I never wanted to stop because I never wanted to be limited. You know what I mean? Just in, in life in general, people that have knowledge and you, you learn, you can learn the same thing from a PhD student as you can learn from someone on the street. Like you were saying, like that generational knowledge, like and you could have the farmers who like 50, you can learn the same thing from them that you could learn in college. But the difference is yep. people is inclined in society to listen to someone who have a PhD and then I block too. Yep. So if someone who white come in like behemoths, they like white people, bro. So if they come in and they white, <laughs> hey, they're like, no, they white, they foreign, then they got a PhD. Nope. They then ain't listening to me foreigners. No Particular foreigners? Particular foreigners. They ain't like all Particular. foreigners. You see <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, you, you understand. You know what we I mean? We very xenophobic over here. No, no, no. They I know xenophobic. That. And so you don't want, I never wanted to be limited. I want no one to tell me, say, oh, you can't do this or that. And I wanted to just have all my options, bro. So that was the real reason I wanted to finish out. That's inspiring. Honestly, maybe um, yeah, my commitment to wanting to do my PhD has increased by, by another fifteen percent. No, yeah. Let me tell you who ain't going back to school. Uh, if you, if you need, if you need, 